Hi, it's Courtney. This is Scale Up from Launch Vic. Listening through the series, we have heard a lot about the practicalities of Culture Amp. Decisions, relationships, instances of experience, extremely rare to the bulk of any working population, along with two frustrations, reflections, and memories of what's happened to get where the company is today. In one sit down with Didier Elzinger, CEO and co-founder, I asked him about his view from the inside out. The downside of asking somebody in a startup scaling incredibly fast about how they view the world outside, it's losing a couple of precious interview minutes to rhetoric. But the point Didier makes, it's not rhetoric. It comes down to the deceptively narrow and immeasurably opportune concept of choice. You know, one of the things that I always find interesting is uh, I... I catch the train, the same train most of the time, but at all sorts of different times. Like I've caught, you know, every different train slot from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. in different days. But every once in a while, I'll notice that, you know, the same person's on the same train every day at the same time. And I say, wouldn't that be lovely to have a, have a routine that was that consistent? <laughs> like I couldn't tell you what time I'm going to catch the train tomorrow. It depends on too many other configurations. And so... I, in, a, in a way, I just admire it that, that there are people for whom... And the, the way I sort of think about it is you kind of choose where you want to put your complexity. And for some people, they don't want their complexity in work, and so they have a, a much more stable contract. They turn up, they do this thing. Welcome to the final episode of Scale Up from Launch Vic, and we're leaving on the top-line realities of entrepreneurship in Melbourne the complete lack of more stable contract and embracing the journey not as a concept, but as a reality. The potential Culture Amp has for the local ecosystem and in the global economy. People will look at what I do or look at what we do and say, oh, you know, isn't that amazing? You know, you get to do this stuff and I get to fly all around the world and to talk to these amazing companies and... Um, and it is great in many ways, and it's exactly what I want to do, and I wouldn't do it any other way. I think that typically people dramatically underappreciate how hard that is. And in the Australian context, you know, I think that people think of entrepreneurship as something relatively easy, which you know, we see success and we don't celebrate it very much and it's because we underappreciate the challenge. This is Martin Hosking, founder of Redbubble. You know, what would have been nice to be asked a little bit more often is you know, the nature of those challenges and, and really what's required. And the purpose of, is not to sort of, you know, to be a bit sort of, you know, uh, not to masochistic about it at all, but really just to recognise that these things are difficult. And if there was a greater appreciation of the difficulties of entrepreneurship, I think that we would get to better policy outcomes and in a policy environment which was more realistic. Because, you know, there's a certain typical expectation on the political, you often hear politicians talk about innovation and entrepreneurship as if they're relatively easy things or people are making too much money too quickly. The reality is that for most entrepreneurs, most of the time it's really hard work and there's sometimes where it's absolutely brilliant. You know, it's as hard a job as you could ever do. Yeah. It also hurts like hell in terms of the time and the energy and the frustration and all these other things. And so you have to be willing. You have to, you know, you have to, there has to be some meaning in the suffering. If you're not, not willing to suffer, then it's probably not worth doing. And I think that's actually, I was talking to um, someone yesterday, he's a professional musician, and he was talking about uh, doing masterclasses with people. And sometimes he says he, he sees people that are 
that they've got all the talent, they've got all the skill, but he doesn't know why they want it. There's nothing more. And he's sort of like, he had this great line where he said, um, if you don't know why you're doing this, you're useless. Like as a musician, if you don't know why you play, you're useless. And he said it's worse than being incompetent. Like you're you're good, you're talent, you've got the talent, but you're useless. And it is, it's so true. Like you know, you have to want this for a reason. Did you sort of ever do like the head in the hands? You know, sort of sob gently. Many times. <laughs> and you- the thing is, you at that point you just don't know. You don't know where it's going to work. Like you're like I, you know, I'm, I did it because I think it's important. Uh, you know, it's already been at that point. I don't know, it was a year and a half, two years. And you're sort of thinking to yourself, is it going to turn around? How long is it going to take? Maybe never. You know, at what point do I realize, do I, you know, give up my pride and go work for someone else? Didier is known for often reciting quotes in meetings, interviews, or giving talks. We've already heard one from Maya Angelou, but here's one from Irish playwright, critic, and political activist, George Bernard Shaw. Those who say something is impossible should not interrupt those that are doing it. And that one is an anthem for entrepreneurship if I've ever heard it. You know, people sit there prognosticating, going, oh, I don't know if this is possible or whatever. Like, all right, well, you keep talking about it. I'm going to go over here and try. (laughs) So it's a good way of keeping you going. Lou Kinnear, CEO of Safety Culture, is another Australian in the rare position, like Didier and Martin Hosking at Redbubble, Luke heads straight to the bigger context of the change they're intimately involved in. And like Martin mentioned, Luke says a lot of the entrepreneurship attention can be misplaced. You know, in the headlines you read about their valuations and funding and all this stuff, none of those things are the reasons why people, you know, usually create these companies. They do it to solve a problem. And, um, and I think if people can see that these are everyday problems that are being solved, uh, perhaps then they can start thinking about how they could participate in what is the greatest revolution in all of history. Well, you look back at, you know, the gold rush, you look back at oil boom, you look back at industrial revolution, you've got um, now a software impacting virtually every industry at the same time. In the past, you often saw innovations impacting a particular industry at once or maybe a couple, but this is affecting literally every industry on earth. And so um, that's why it's, it's such a great opportunity. In the past, um, it was more siloed. This is, this is affecting everyone everywhere. At ground level, founding the company and writing the huge upswell Culture Amp created for itself is something Rod Hamilton, another co-founder, reflects on when talking about how it's altering the experience for everybody on the journey. Side note, Rod says 150 employees but in the short time since that's changed, right now Culture Amp is much, much closer to 200. The speed at which you can get stuff done and you can have it, have an impact is, is incredible. It's like there's no one, you don't have to ask anyone for permission of anything. Um, and that was a, a really liberating thing when we, we started our startup. It's like, you, hey, I want to do this today. Bang, you do it. There's no one that's going to stop you. Um, and that was an awesome thing in the early days. Now that's, that is changing a little bit as we become a bigger company. We're 150 odd sort of um, employees now. So it's, it definitely changes as the ease with which you can get things done. But I think we are really um, 
trying to hang on to that agility and that and that entrepreneurial way of working across the entire business. Um, and I hope that's not. I hope that's something that we won't sort of lose. I think the other thing um, that really stands out for me is um, just the connection with the mission and the connection with the problem that we are solving. Um, for me personally, and I think for a vast majority of the employees that work here, they have a really um, strong connection with our mission and the idea that, like, you know, who, who, who wouldn't want to make the world a better place to work in? Who wouldn't want to improve, improve workplaces all across the world? Um, so I think um, that's a real, um, what's the word for it, it's, it's just, it's something that I really notice about all the employees that, that work here. They've got a strong connection with the problem we're trying to solve. And I think that gives us a lot of social capital. Um, and I think that's kind of true for a lot of startups. They, uh, I mean, the reason they start is because someone has an idea about something that they're passionate about. And then as they build the company, they bring on other people and that passion is kind of infectious. Mm. I'm really in interested to see how it goes for us as to how we maintain that as we continue to scale and grow. I asked another co-founder. I'm, uh, I'm Doug English, um, VP of, uh, of engineering at, at Coltramp and one of the, one of the co-founders how he feels about the growth and the future of the company. And the early goal Didier set out was 10,000 customers paying $10,000. So far we've got to, you know, uh, we're, we're more than 10% there in the, on that, but um, there's, still, there's still another 10 times to go to, to get to what, what we originally set out to do. So I think I'm at, I'm at least... Um, uh, wanting to see that through, just from a from a symmetry perspective, and a you know, yes, we've we've achieved what we set out to do, and I, I guess at that point, I'll probably be looking at you know, what is Coltramp at that stage? You know, if it is it pre or post IPO, for example, and um, yeah, what 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 audacious goals are we still trying to trying to achieve? And and honestly, uh, you know, am I necessarily the best person to help in that space as well? Would probably be something I'd be thinking about mm. but um, yeah there, there's definitely a lot I still want to do in Coltramp that uh, that's going to keep me going for the next quite a few years. With this in mind I went a couple of floors above Culture Amp's head office to ask Steve Pell management consultant from Thought Leadership Partners about how far Culture Amp could go. With the enormous growth and Doug's brief mention of an initial public offering I asked if someone might soon mention the U word, which is still quite elusive in Australia. You want a simple answer that you can feed into. I just, I, I'm asking a lot of people this just to see what people say. If, I, if it's interesting, then I'll include it. If it's not, I think they have a huge opportunity in front of them, right? That that goes beyond just. It goes a long way beyond where they've started in terms of the sur the surveys and measuring and tracking culture. It goes to the way that we think about and set up modern workplaces and the future workplaces. And that could be a hell of a lot bigger than that could that could be huge, right? When you think of you think of WeWork has a valuation of nineteen billion dollars, right? Which is or something along those lines. I don't know what the exact number is. That's that's relatively transformative. In, I mean, that's transformative in the way that we think about offices. This could be an order of magnitude bigger in if you think about the opportunity to transform the way that the modern world works and people come together and do their best, 
best work. So the opportunity is huge. The space is huge. They've got a great leadership advantage, but that's a long way from where they are today. So do I think do I think they could get get there? A- absolutely, right? Like, but it's it's almost as transformative in where they're going to have to go as Amazon going from shopping into cloud services. Should any of that happen, the mainstream reporting will feature huge numbers. Someone might say the U word. Plenty of people outside the community will Google Culture Amp to catch up on what's already been a five-year journey. Here's Dr. Michael Cameron from Rome to Rio. In terms of advice for entrepreneurs just starting out here in Melbourne, I think it takes time to build a business. I think that's one thing that is easily discounted, that these sort of overnight successes like Culture Amp don't happen overnight. They actually happen over many, many years and it can take a good sort of five to seven years before your business is profitable uh, and sizable. And so I think it's important to kind of keep that in mind. I think sometimes it's good when an entrepreneur starts the journey that they're a bit naive about that. Because I think if I had known that it was going to take seven years for Rome Drio to get to where it is today, I probably would have never started the journey. <laughs> so I think it's good to be naive. One of the things that got me through the first few years of Culture App when it wasn't clear whether it was going to work or not was a saying, I don't know who it's attributed to, which is what matters is how many people believe in you, not how many people don't. We think so much, we go out, we try things and we're like, oh, this person doesn't like it or that person doesn't like it. The number of people that don't like it is irrelevant. If five people think it's good, then that's something to build on. If 10 people think it's good, then something to build on. And in fact, when you're trying to create something truly disruptive or innovative, the fact that 90 out of 100 people hate it is actually really great. You want to find something that most people don't like. (laughs) Most people think is stupid. Just a few people look at it and go, you know what, that could actually work. Unless something really major happens, I I just don't see it failing at this point in time. Bill Barty, he's invested in Culture Amp at each of their three rounds so far through Blackbird Ventures. You know, at some point in time, they'll take the company public or it'll be sold at some point in time. Uh, And uh, uh, a lot of value will will have been created. The guys will have achieved their mission and they can continue to stay with the company or do something else. And I, I, I do, you know, most great founders, uh, because something goes public or because something is sold, uh, a lot of times they stick with the, they stick with the business because this is their life's work. This is what they love to do. Yes, they get richer, but they also have not finished the mission, which is to improve the world in some way. Didier Elzinger, CEO and one of four co-founders of Culture Amp. You've got to be willing to try and fail and try and fail, and try and fail, to, to earn the right to try it all. Like you have to be willing to fail and to accept it. And there's, a, there's this great video um, that I have that I sometimes use that was created for Anthony Robbins' 50th birthday and it's a mashup, it goes back to my Hollywood days, of um, Rocky III and Snatch. And it's got the line from Rocky III when he's talking to his son and he's like, somewhere along the way you let somebody put a finger in your face and tell you what you could or couldn't do. If you're willing to take the pain, nobody can tell you what you should do. And people, you know, there's a lot of um, appropriate uh, say to people, hey, you can do anything, you can be anybody. And it's, it's true and it's a good thing to do, but it needs to go hand in hand with, you can do anything if you're willing to hurt enough for it. And it's the second bit that you actually have to spend the time thinking about. 
And that's the last episode in this season of Scale Up from Launch Vic. Thank you so much for listening. Launch Vic, they're Victoria's startup ecosystem development agency, helping to build the infrastructure for entrepreneurs and startups here. Get onto the website for more information, launchvic.org, and find them on Facebook and Twitter too. And do leave a review where you're listening. Let us know what you think of the series. We can't finish without a special thanks to everybody at Culture Amp who gave up their time, their patience, and their thoughts for the series. It's a lot to ask when your company is growing. Also, thanks to Bill Barty and Blackbird, Cicada Innovation, Inspire9 and Fuck Up Melbourne, Martin Hosking at Redbubble, Dr. Michael Cameron of Rome to Rio, Steve Cowell at Port Leadership Partners, Luke and Alan from Safety Culture, Lizian at the Melbourne Accelerator Program, Anthony Middlemark at PwC, and Honorary Professor Michael Vitale from the Melbourne Business School, and also the many others that made themselves available for the series. I'm Courtney Carthy. Thank you so much for listening to Scale Up.